Can you be quiet, please? Hello and welcome to the Circular Economy Playbook, a podcast all about our tricky relationship with stuff and how to fix it. I'm Ali Moore from the London Waste and Recycling Board and I'm here as ever with Wayne Hubbard, our Chief Executive. Hello. Hello. Hi. <laughs> a really fancy one for 2021. <laughs> it, can, um, it can only get better. It really can only get better. Yes, welcome. We are interviewing today a gentleman called Mikel Ballesta from Fairphone, who are an ethical and repairable mobile phone that's on the market. And they are the only smartphone in the world to get a perfect score from iFixit. Uh, and we, of course, interviewed Kyle from iFixit um, a few months ago, didn't we? Yeah, we did. Yeah. I mean, that's interesting, isn't it? I- it's not surprising, actually, if you've ever seen one, a Fairphone, but um, and you compared it to your iPhone, it scores six out of ten on the iFixit yeah. rating, which I think is a significant improvement on from from the uh, the older iPhones. And um, just to give but that's you some, compared, but that's compared to ten out of ten for the that's Fairphone three. Out of ten, yeah, absolutely. Um, but you know the the MS, sorry, Microsoft Surface Duo gets two out of ten. Two out of ten. That's yeah. swinging. Yeah. yeah. So on repairability. Contextually, I mean, you know, we were chatting before we started recording, and um, I was telling you that I rewatched the launch of the uh, of, of iPhone. It was called. Um, if you ever watch a film before two thousand and seven, you know, you'll think, what, what, what are those mobile phones they're using? What on earth are those? They're so primitive. And yeah. watching the launch of the iPhone, you know, Steve Jobs kind of gets this thing out and um they go wild for it and he he turns the screen so it goes from portrait to landscape and they just whoop in the audience you know that yeah and touching the screen and going and pinching it and making things zoom in all of that they just went crazy for because that was that's all new that was all invented uh well not invented but i think all put together in that one device that and it changed the world it changed the industry do you know how many people owned smartphones in 2008 so one year after oh i'm gonna guess uh in the hundreds of thousands but not yet in the millions Well, as a percentage of uk residents i've got the stats um 17 percent well that's quite high it's quite high actually i remember buying i didn't buy an an iphone i'm a i'm a bit of a techie geek i bought an iphone uh, an ipod touch I remember going into work, I worked at the GLA and showing people this thing and they all used, they would crowd round to look at it. Mm. So how many people own a smartphone in 2018, 10 years later? Oh, God. Um, let's say, let's say 75%. Yeah, good guess. 78%. And oh. 16 to 24-year-olds, 95%. Yeah. So it's, it's by this point in 10 years, it's a ubiquitous device. Yeah. And um, it, in my view, it kind of was the thing that kickstarted a lot of business models, circular economy businesses today that, you know, that we think are, are leading the way. So app based sharing, renting, leasing, you know, enabling local communication really easily. 
maybe not even using apps, but um, using WhatsApp or whatever, mm. you know, to talk to your neighbours. And, and, of course, reading now on the train or in a queue or listen to an audio book or a podcast on your phone, and that's all new. So a really positive impact in that respect. But it all comes at a price, doesn't it, environmentally? Let's talk about the flip side. It all comes at a price. Uh, we, we, again, we were doing a bit of research. How many smartphones from 2007 to 2017, how many do you think uh, were produced Ooh. or ha- were produced in that 10-year um, period? God, I don't know. Let's say 100 million. No, oh, how many? Nowhere near. Seven billion. No, that's the same number as there are people in the world. Yeah, well, people have clearly have more than one device. So this is a Greenpeace estimate, uh, and they estimated that there were 7.1 billion smartphones produced from 20, 2007 to 2016, actually, so the first 10 years. Wow. I mean, that's, so we're, we're well above that now. Yeah. And the smartphone supply chain is long. It's complex. Um, they're made of a combination of metals, including rare earth elements, glass and plastic, the mining of those rare earth elements has um, sustainability implications and ethical implications. Mm. So these things are, um, if they're not reused and recycled, which they're predominantly not, let's face it, then they're a significant threat to climate change to, and to local social networks. So let's, I mean, I'd I, I, be interested to hear from Miguel as we're going to discover you know, how Fairphone see how they can help to change this industry and make it into a sustainable industry. Because on the face of it, it ain't. Mm. Okay, well, let's have a listen to what Mikel's got to say. So this is Mikel Baester from Fairphone. Mikel, it's lovely to have you here. Thank you for agreeing to do the podcast. Could you please just introduce yourself? Let us know a little bit about what your organisation does and what your role in it is. Yeah, definitely. So my name is Miguel Ballester. I am the product management lead in Fairphone. And Fairphone is a smartphone company, but a bit of a special one. So we develop phones that are ethical and repairable, and we focus on changing the industry, actually. And we've been doing that uh, since 2010, at the beginning as an awareness campaign. And then later, also after I joined uh, Fairphone, so I was part of the of the founding team, we turned Fairphone into a social enterprise and we started making our own uh, phones. That was in 2013. And since then, we've been focusing on four main topics that are uh, very urgent to be tackled in the smartphone and electronics industry, which is the issue of fair materials, uh, working conditions, uh, long-lasting design and reuse and recycling. And I'm happy to share more about all that uh, later today. I wonder if you could tell us um, about what the circular economy means to you, maybe both um, from an organizational point of view or um, and also from a from a personal perspective. So the circular economy for me, uh, so mind I have a background in industrial design. So uh, I've always seen a little bit industrial designers as, as one of the of the drivers be, be behind overconsumption until you put design to do the right work instead of the wrong work. So with my background and with the kind of the, the amount of stuff the industry brings in, into the market, I think the circular economy is 
really the first time that I see uh, environmental values marrying economic values, and I believe that's the only way uh, we can make it uh, work. Um, of course, the circular economy remains an ideal still, so we are in a transition to a circular economy. I always want to remind this. And from Fairphone perspective, we would like to transition to a very inclusive circular economy. So, and I explain what I mean with that, uh, because we are in a transition from this linear economy where there has been a lot of actors in the supply chain, well, effectively making money from, from that uh, linear economy, we need to also take them into consideration in this, uh, in this transition. And also from, um, from a human rights uh, perspective, there, there is also a lot of actors that, that depend on the linear economy. So we need to really think hard on how to involve them in the, in the circular economy. And I'll give you a very specific example, uh, just to not, not talk so vague. At Fairphone, we, one of our focuses is to work uh, with artisanal mining. So artisanal mining is individuals that don't, uh, that mine materials in places like DRC Congo or Rwanda and that they are not, let's say, under the protection of a bigger company. So they are, uh, we could call them freelancers. Um, they, but they are victims of a lot of human rights uh, abuses. And in an inclusive circular economy, we would not just fully just change into 100% uh, recycled materials because that's not even possible in the short term. But we would also look at, okay, what are these mining, mining communities doing that? Now, can we improve their working conditions now? And can we uh, draw a future for them into another industry, which could be agriculture or could be other industries depending on the, on the, on the areas? So that's what I mean also with an inclusive transition to the circular economy. And that, I mean, that's really interesting. I, in researching uh, for this interview, I, I did a little bit of background research into Fairphone, and I, I wasn't really fully aware of the um, uh, of the ethical side of what you do, although I, I kind of knew it. Um, but it, I mean, it's really fascinating to understand how you can compete with um, the big mobile phone companies who who are probably not putting um, a higher ethical standard. Um, on, on on their materials. So, I mean, what is it that gives you um, your edge in what must be a very competitive market? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think it really comes from the DNA of the organization. So we were um, founded, uh, so actually our, our mission is to inspire the rest of the industry, so to change the industry from within. And that's why we decided to become company we are a social enterprise we are a for-profit social enterprise um, because we realized that that was the only way to be able to show what is possible we focus on three let's say means of action i would call them uh, our theory of change so it starts with awareness not only awareness in the consumer market but also awareness in the industry because we work with a lot of suppliers for example that's that also Things like conflict minerals or, or being fair to miners is a very new topic. So awareness is, a, is a really the first step. The second step for us has always been providing the example. And providing the example means through the operations of our um, still small uh, company, show what is feasible, whether it is 
designing a modular device so that is more repairable like we have done or uh, setting up a living wage program at our main assembly uh, manufacturer uh, in China how, as we have done already and really come out to the industry with not with pointing fingers but more like really with reports with showing okay this is how we have done it and this is how you can also do it. Uh, and that leads me to the third step which is scaling up those projects with what we call followers and followers is not uh, social media followers but really followers in the industry and we try with uh, and increasingly more and more now with every project that we bring out to really give it an edge in a way that uh, other companies can join. And a good example of that is the Fair Cobalt Alliance. But cobalt is a very hot material, as you can imagine, because it's, it's heavily used for uh, batteries. Well, with the whole transition of electric vehicles, we are going to need a lot of more cobalt than we need uh, today, actually. So the, the increase uh, of uh, cobalt um, consumption in the industry is, is skyrocketing really. So we saw the, the need to bring like a coalition with other partners to work on health and safety and child labor uh, on mines and the DRC Congo, uh, because we need to, all the cobalt that we need and, and this rapid increase will not come from recycling, unfortunately, um, because it's not there yet. Uh, it will come from most of it from mining. And I want to remind that, uh, 80% of the cobalt mines comes from the RC Congo in the world. Uh, Fair Cobalt Alliance is, is a, has been a very good example of how we uh, bring our actions to other industry players and make it uh, bigger. So companies like Signify, which is the old uh, Philips, and Tesla has have uh, joined uh, this initiative and have put money to uh, be able to affect and improve working conditions at the beginning of the chain. So these are the three steps that we follow to to have a, to have an impact. I mean, where do you think you are on that journey? Do, do you measure your success through market share, or are you looking for, you know, measuring your competitors and where they are on that journey? And would you be able to give us an indication of how you think the you know the industry is responding? So the industry is slowly changing. I think it's it's very helpful to have. Um, maybe a more experimental company out there in the same industry doing these things. Because as I always say, um, companies are not just one entity, right? It's a, it's a sum up of sometimes thousands of different people. So within a company, there's also a lot of different opinions. And we know, as a matter of fact, that, that the type of work that Fairphone is doing helps very much certain departments of these companies to say, hey, we should also do this. Uh, hey, this is being done and it's possible. So this is the kind of uh, role that we are playing. Of course, measuring that is very complex. We have our own internal KPIs. Indeed, one of them is the, the sales that we have because we know that the uh, we need to increase our sales. So just to give you an example, we, we are... I think there is more than 200,000 uh, devices across Europe now uh, from our Fairphones of different uh, uh, different models. Um, and we need to increase that because we, we want to increase to kind of a, a critical volume that would make us even more interesting to certain bigger suppliers uh, where we can push more our, uh, our projects. So that's indeed one of us. 
any other company out there is one of our uh, KPIs. But then an, a very important KPI is the integration of fair materials. So we have been focusing until now on um, eight uh, focus materials. So that's from the 40 something materials and metals that are in a phone. We've been focusing on the supply chain of eight. And from next year, we will extend this uh, list to much more uh, materials and we will be aiming for much higher percentage of integration. And this means literally, for example, integrating cobalt from a, a project where we are working on fair mining conditions in our battery, to give you an example. And that would mean that a certain percentage of the cobalt comes from a more fair uh, source. So that's mm -hmm. that's also how we, how we um, calculate our impact. And we have other KPIs like the longevity of our phones. Uh, we have KPIs on the amount of uh, take back for recycling that we, uh, that we get, et cetera. So there's different indicators. That's really interesting that you've got, um, you know, most businesses, uh, the, the overriding KPI is bottom line and, and you've got all these other KPIs, which, you know, are almost the opposite of bottom line, aren't they? Um, so but do you know why your customers buy your phones um, apart from the sustainability credentials? Do you have a picture of, of what's motivating them to buy them? Yeah, I think, I think it's not only, indeed it's because of the sustainability credentials, but it's, I would say it's more because of the transformative nature of Fairphone. So we don't sell a feel-good product only, as in, we don't want uh, only people buying our device because they think it's more sustainable. We know that a lot of uh, those people also buy our device because it's transforming the industry. And that's very, I think for us, that's very important. We don't want to be just another phone in the industry that, oh yeah, by the way, it has more recycled metal in it or something like that. No, no, we, we our mission is really to change the industry and we are doing it. So we can show there has been steps in the, in the industry with some of our projects and, and that's what we will keep on doing. So we are not a smartphone company and then also sustainable on, on the contrary. We are here to change the industry and to do that, we are creating phones because that's the only tool that we can have to get in those super complex supply chains that, that span, uh, you know, tens of different uh, countries uh, to be able to uh, make those changes that we would like to see in the industry and, and, and yeah, scale it up to the rest of the industry with the, those followers. I mean, I, I, from my perspective, it seems that um, the your latest phone, or I think it's the Fairphone 3, is that right? Yeah, correct. Yeah, and I mean, I you know, I'd read some reviews of it um, at the end of last year, I think, and... Um, we were buying phones for our organization and we were buying secondhand iPhones to try and reduce our carbon footprint. And um, having read the reviews for the, for the Fairphone 3, it now seems that you've, you've reached a certain kind of level. You've, you've kind of done it. You've made it. This is a, now a phone that, uh, you know, that we could all buy and it's mm -hmm. a really good product. And then on top of that, you have this additional, it actually makes you feel good to own it or at least... <laughs> you know, not bad, which is how I feel when I, when I hold other electronic items in, in my hand. And it, it does feel very difficult corporately 
to have to buy electrical equipment and and knowing you know all of the all of the downsides of that so you know personally i i kind of really take my hat off to to you guys i think you've 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 made it you've you know you've cracked it and and but there's a lot to do still right like now it nearly seems like indeed with fairphone 3 in terms of yeah quality and and yeah we've i mean obviously there's a there's a impressive learning curve uh, when you get into making smartphones and Fairphone 1 and Fairphone 2 were very different devices. Uh, Fairphone 3, uh, yeah, it's it's an improvement, uh, I can uh, say. But it I seems like the, the rest of the industry now needs to kind of, like you say, it needs to follow. It feels like it's slowly getting there. But, you know, I, I remember when I was doing research for phones and uh, there are various kind of phone companies and electronic manufacturers saying how much recycling they do, but basically that meant just taking our phones, smashing them up, and and recycling the metal, which is really not the same thing at all, is it? You know, your your phone is is you know as well as the sustainability aspects, it's designed to be disassembled, which is fundamentally different from anything else on the market, as far as I can see. Yeah, for us, this dismantability is very important from from a repairability perspective, also from a recyclability perspective, of course. Um, uh, we have been well already from Fairphone One, we uh, put a lot of uh, effort in providing spare parts uh, so that people could. Yeah, could always uh, repair their phones. Uh, it was not quite a modular phone yet. I mean, you could get to a lot of components, but it, it required a little bit more work. From Fairphone 2 and Fairphone 3 now, uh, yeah, indeed, uh, like the, the main key components that uh, could eventually break uh, are very easy to access and very easy to dismantle with a screwdriver. Anybody can do it uh, at home. And it's not only that we want people to repair their phones themselves. I mean, of course, we also want that. But the easier you do, uh, the easier you make a phone to, to be dismantled, the easier it is also to be repaired at a repair center. And uh, you are increasing drastically the possibility of um, yeah, putting that phone back into the market uh, for a second life. The more you glue a device or the more complex it is to change some parts, it also means it's more expensive to change them, uh, also for a, a repair professional, right? And at some point, it doesn't make sense to repair it anymore. So that's why accessing key parts and, and making them replaceable are, is so important. So in terms of your plans for the coming year, Mikhail, um have you got any new products or services or enhancements, product enhancements on the cards that you can tell us about? What's what's next for you guys? Yeah, I mean, of course, uh, this year uh, and the years to come are we are focusing on Fairphone 3. So there are some new things that will come out. Uh, for example, we have already announced some time back that Fairphone 2 will be updated to Android 9, which is quite an achievement for a five years old device so that required big, big uh, effort and a lot of kudos go to our software uh, team. But uh, for Fairphone 3, yeah, we will uh, keep on launching things that are uh, for that for that uh, product. And especially we will be focusing on shifting to a larger audience as well. So we want to move a little bit beyond the um, yeah, the, the most, let's say, sustainable market to a little bit more uh, mass market. So that's that's also a transition that we are 
that we are doing now. That sounds really hopeful. A final question, I suppose, because it's been such a tough year for everybody. Mm. What's giving you cause for hope at the moment? Well, I actually think so. it has been a tough year. I am uh, positively surprised on how well and how flexible we as an organization have been able to keep on operating. Uh, as we are now, as you can imagine, we are at home. Um, so it was a little bit uh, scary uh, when it, it all started, of course, also for, for the continuation of our organization because sales went down and, and as you can imagine, everything happened, but we are coming out pretty well from it. Um, so that actually makes me very help, hopeful because I see how flexible we are and how flexible we are all, not only at, uh, at Fairphone, but also uh, outside of Fairphone. So that gives me hope that we are able to uh, tackle many issues in the future. And when it comes to sustainable uh, development, uh, well, I see more and more things being done. Uh, I am very hopeful from the legislative front, of course, as you know, with the Green Deal from the European Commission and, um, and everything that is moving from that perspective, because I think it's, it's moving actually where we want the whole industry to move. So, uh, so that's very positive. So I am very hopeful uh, about the future. That's really nice to hear. But I just wondered, I am genuinely interested in understanding if you feel that being a let's call let's say a circular company that gives you any advantages in terms of being more resilient uh you know compared to more linear companies and i guess i'm thinking about recyclability and modularity and bringing your supply chains closer i know that might be difficult for you because you obviously rely upon supply chains that are global but i just wondered if Mm -hmm. in some way being a circular company has made you more resilient yeah also definitely um i mean of course things that we so i'll give you an example uh we are now at the moment uh reducing a lot of Fairphone 2s, so uh, performing repairs on Fairphone 2s that are uh, needed to be able to keep on supporting the other Fairphone 2s that are in the market, so collecting, uh, and also Fairphone 3s, by the way, uh, collecting modules and, and repairing those modules to be to be reused. So definitely it gives us um, a certain flexibility, um, uh, also especially because in general, smartphones and electronic equipment is short, so short-lived, especially a consumer for the consumer market, that, uh, yeah, we have to confront ourselves with a lot of, uh, let's say, last and buys, for example, or components that come uh, to the end of the life in the portfolio of some suppliers. So we always have to be making changes uh, in, our, in our product. And as you can imagine, having a modular device, it's slightly easier because you only have to change kind of a subsystem instead of the whole, sometimes the whole phone. Um, so yeah, that gives a certain uh, uh, resilience, I would say. That's great to hear. So an awful lot that Mikhail talked about there and touched on. Um, it's a big and complex issue, isn't it? This whole mobile phone 
smartphone sustainability issue because it doesn't seem to me like it's just about repairability or recyclability it seems to be about a whole lot more um he talked about materials he talked about working conditions he talked about design and then he talked about reuse and recycling um as only one of four things that they concentrate on at fairphone so yeah big and complicated was the impression that i got there yeah i mean i was quoting from um a 2017 Greenpeace report and you know clearly it says one of the issues is that the supply chain for smartphones is long and complex. Fairphone are doing their very best I think to um, make it ethical and and sustainable but I mean the the, you know it's kind of a truism but the most sustainable mobile phone is the one you already own let's face it. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Um, I think the same is well, the same is true across a lot of material streams, isn't it? The yeah. same is true of clothes and all sorts of things. But yes, I would imagine particularly in the case of phones, given all of the kind of rare earth extraction and all of that stuff that needs to happen in order to make one that works well. And the, and so that 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 does bring us back to the modularity and repairability, because having a phone last as long as possible for it to be, you know, up- upgradable and repairable. You know that that's the way that you can reduce the impacts of your of your phone. When Elwarb moved offices a few years ago, we decided to not to have landlines and we went completely mobile, which meant we had to buy new mobile phones for everyone. So we sourced uh, secondhand mobile phones. Mm. Um, so um, all of the mobile phones that we provided staff with were uh, secondhand iPhones. It was a difficult. Um, corporate purchasing experiments to be honest so you know that the enabling us to buy secondhand would be is one thing fairphone their approach is to um lead by example and create this modular phone and then thank goodness also look at the um the, the ethical nature of the materials that they're utilizing yeah. in creating their devices it's interesting, isn't it? Because he was talking about making circular economy inclusive, but then talking about rare earth materials that can't be handled in a way at the moment by the circular economy, not in the current state of things. So that inclusion of sort of ethical considerations and the discussion around the fair cobalt alliance, which interestingly, I noticed Tesla have joined as well and a few others, yeah. um, means that they're where they can't make things recycled or recyclable or repairable, they're trying to make them as fair as possible and to make sure that the local communities involved in things like the mining of cobalt are included and considered and that alternative um, futures are thought are thought about for them. So I really like that element of what they're doing. And and he talked about um, there being, did he say there are around 40 materials utilised in a Fairphone and they're focusing on eight and they want to increase that. Yeah. But, you know, they're trying to get the supply chain right and ethical for the, for eight materials. They want to make that bigger. But it just goes to show the complexity of, um, of these things. So even when you have one of the most sustainable and, you know, officially the most repairable phone in the world, mm. um, it still comes with an impact. So my next new phone will be a Fairphone. Of that, there is no doubt. And I think, you know, the the, the Fairphone 3, we talked about that with Miguel and, and the Fairphone 3 Plus. And it seems they've probably arrived at a point where it's, it's, it's a good product. So, you know, I always hate, don't you, that when you have a sustainable product, it seems 
if it's second rate, you think, well, this is yeah. nobody any good. Whereas this thing, I think the Fairphone 3 is probably regarded really well as um, as a smartphone. But it also highlights all these other aspects which, uh, which Miguel yeah. talked about. And that goes to the ethics, um, the rationale for the company, doesn't it? Which you wanted to talk about, Ali. Yeah. I mean, the fact that they are, you know, he talks about being purpose first and product second, and that the product is purely a vehicle for them to achieve their purpose. You know, that they started as a campaign organization, looking at sort of increasing awareness amongst consumers and amongst industry players around the problems of, of mobile telephony, moved that moved on then into kind of, well, the only way that we can do that effectively is to provide an example and show what's possible and concentrate on things, you know, like disassemblable handsets and and living wage and and all of those things that we know are, are absolutely essential. Um, and now they're looking at scaling up and, and, and mainstreaming their product, but still purpose first every time. You know, it's like we don't. He said at one point, we don't sell a feel good product. He said we want he? to transform the industry. Yeah, he said we're a sustainability company. He says yeah. we are here to change the industry and using phones as a tool to do that. So. You know, that's where they're that's where they're rooted they're rooted in sustainability yeah. they're rooted in circularity yeah. um and they're rooted in fairness hence yeah. it's a fair phone you know it's not called a fair phone for no reason so exactly exactly yeah. and i love that and i can't actually i'm finding it hard to think of any other businesses out there developing products and services which they're developing in order to meet a sustainability purpose rather than the other way around you know people generally start with a product or a service and then go oh and we need to somehow make that sustainable as well it's like an add-on but this is their whole purpose their whole reason of being you know it, it and it's i find that i find that really uh, astonishing and inspiring and um, I just wish that there were more companies like that. It's companies like this that are going to save us, basically. Um, yeah. So there does need to be more companies like that. And we've talked to some companies, you know, um, who, whose products are truly great. And we're going to talk to some more in the coming uh, weeks and months who have got some really good products and are putting sustainability at the heart. It's also nice to hear that Mikel is quite hopeful about the future, that he's putting a lot of faith in the European Green Deal and thinks that the legislative environment is is moving in our favour. So that was good to hear as well. So all in all, a pretty informative and inspiring interview there, I thought. Yep. And uh, my take out is well, we know now how many mobile phones are in the world. We know that. I did look on yeah. the website, by the way. This It's really worth looking at the Fairphone website. There's some great stuff there. And they have like um, a community of buyers and sellers. So they're trying to promote this, the selling of their own phones uh, secondhand, which is great, which is great, I think. Yeah, no, that is fantastic. Supporting that, that wider community is also good. I think that's it for today. Um the usual uh, requests for you to um, like and subscribe to the podcast on your usual podcast platforms uh, and follow us on our social channels at LWARB on Twitter and the London Waste and Recycling Board on LinkedIn. Thanks for listening and look forward to seeing you next time. Bye. Goodbye.